Our gospel reading was from the fifth chapter of Luke, the first 11 verses. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were partners in a small commercial fishing venture. They would go out in their boats during the dark of night, for this was indeed the best time, the most conducive to being able to catch the fish using their nets in the clear waters of the lake. However, on this particular night, when they had gone out to the deeper parts of the lake and set their great nets, it was to no avail. They had toiled all night without success, and now in the morning they had left their boats and were on the shoreline, washing their nets from the activities of the night. Then Jesus appeared. He was at this point in their lives little more than a stranger, assuredly a great teacher, one who commanded respect, one who spoke with authority, but nothing more. Because his reputation had begun to spread throughout Galilee, many people were beginning to follow him, to press in upon him, eager to hear what he might say in order that he might settle them down in one place and be able to speak his words to them, Jesus decided to borrow Simon Peter's fishing boat and thereby asked him to take him out a little way from the land that he might teach the crowds on shore from within his boat. And so with Simon Peter sitting with him in the boat, Jesus taught the people, and surely Peter listened with attentiveness. After he had finished his discourse, as though he would not borrow Simon's vessel without giving him due payment, Jesus asked that they launch out into the deep and that the men let down their nets again. Remember, they had labored all the night before without having caught a single fish. And furthermore, they knew as experienced fishermen that it was hopeless to cast the net by day. But Jesus had given the command. And Simon after informing Jesus that it would be pointless since they had labored all night without success, nonetheless obeyed. They cast out to the deep and let down the net, and instead of disappointment, they at once took so vast a haul of fish that the net broke, and they had to call for their partners to bring the other ship and other nets to the end that they quickly filled both the boats, so much so that they began to sink. There is no way to know exactly what crossed Peter's mind that day as he gazed upon this great multitude of fish that filled both the boats to capacity. Surely he considered the previous night of weary toil when not a single fish rewarded their efforts, their endurance and patience. But now, because of Jesus, it was almost as though the very fish responded to his presence, to his being there on the boat eagerly swimming into the waiting nets. Jesus, he who from within this same boat had just earlier spoken words of grace and power to the thronging crowd on the shore, words which now rushed back into Simon Peter's thoughts, filling his mind with questions, with uncertainty. Everything was different, perplexing, strange. He felt astonished, bewildered, mystified, uncomfortable, self-conscious, and ashamed. 
trembling in the presence of one that he was now beginning to realize was so much more than just another man or teacher. In that moment, everything else paled, became non-existent, almost surrealistic. For there on that fishing boat in the middle of the lake, Simon Peter had the revelation of the presence of God in his midst. He had some knowledge of Christ, the master, the rabbi, the prophet before this. But now the divine secret, the eternal mystery from time immemorial, flashed into his heart and conscience. In an instant, Simon was brought consciously into the divine presence, face to face with God. And though before he had been drawn to Jesus, he is now made to feel, to experience, to understand, sinner as he was, his unworthiness to be in his presence. And this feeling found expression in his cry, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. God was revealed to Simon Peter in Christ. And in the holiness of that presence, the sacredness of that moment, the epiphany of Christ, Simon saw his own true state and condition before God. Christ the light that came into the world that whosoever believeth on him should not abide in darkness, shed his light upon Simon Peter, and he knew in that self-same moment that he was not worthy of Christ's miracles, not worthy of Christ's mercies, not worthy of being in Christ's very presence, for he was fully cognizant of his own insignificance and sinfulness. For his unworthiness was unveiled and laid bare before him. But it was that very recognition and acceptance of his helpless condition before Christ that was the conduit for Christ's mercy and forgiveness and was why he was told by Jesus to fear not. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. What I want to draw out from this text for your consideration and realization is that every man or woman that has ever lived has made this exact same affirmation. Sadly, most do not mean it the same way that Simon Peter did, for in so speaking they are not affirming their sense of their own unworthiness and need for a Savior, whereby they become fit and ready vessels for God's mercy, but quite the opposite. Alas, these words are more often spoken by those who reject Christ, those who upon hearing the gospel message and having their conscience pricked and somewhat disturbed, speak these same words, meaning exactly what they say. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, and as such I desire to remain. I desire to continue to find pleasure in what you call sin to remain comfortable within my condition, to embrace and nurture those things you claim are harmful to my eternal soul. No, I do not want to, nor will not part with my beloved lust and covetousness, my self-righteousness. I desire to exist apart from your presence, to not be reminded of you. So depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I would rather fill my time with thoughts of self-pleasing, of pursuing the transient, fleeting, momentary diversions of this world rather than your will. 
Depart from me, for I find enjoyment in the company of others who likewise embrace these same satisfactions and gratifications. Depart from me. Your words, your miracles, your presence is not welcome here. I am the master of my own fate. I have no need for a savior or redeemer of my soul, for I can take care of myself. Go elsewhere, to the meek, the lowly, the downtrodden, those who are not self-sufficient, such as I myself am. If I cannot serve God and mammon as you say, then mammon it shall be. I will not forgive those who trespass against me, those who owe me, for I always keep my promises, and so should everyone else. Nor will I be satisfied strictly with daily sustenance. I have a free will, and I desire to exercise it in whatever way I so please. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, neither you nor anyone else has a right to tell me what to do. You ask too much, require too much. You expect me to acknowledge you in all things. You require that I turn from my evil ways and doings, that I present myself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto you, and not be conformed to this world, to this age and its mindset, its values and its never-ending pursuits, that I may prove what is your good, acceptable, and perfect will. I will say it again, not only in word, but also by my very actions. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. But wait. Just wait. I'll make a deal with you. Depart from me, but not totally. I will give you an hour or so a week, which I must admit somewhat provides me a certain level of satisfaction, an easing of my conscience, and a feeling of having met my spiritual obligations to you. And besides, most of the activities and entertainments of the world won't be starting until later in the day anyway. Depart from me, but be there at my beck and call when I deem that I need you to help me, when I can't do it myself, when neither my money nor my worldly influence nor my human effort can solve the problem at hand. Depart from me, but not too far. For when I sense my strength leaving me, when I sense the darkness of death surrounding me, when I finally must admit that I am but human, finite clay, when I am about to leave this world that I so tenaciously have hung on to at the expense of a true relationship with you, then I shall allow you to do as you please and receive me into your everlasting arms. Have I been too harsh with my words? Have I maligned or given false testimony to the state of affairs of most men and women? I think not but I shall leave that to your consideration. This I do know. Simon Peter that day, in his fishing boat, when finding himself in the direct presence of the Lord of the universe, said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And because he recognized his true relationship to the very God who had brought him into existence, who commanded even the fish of the sea, he knew that he was not worthy of any consideration of the master, would not presume to dictate any demands. And that was why Christ could say to him, fear not, and why he would become a fisher of men. Only he who knows he is not worthy is accounted worthy by the Lord and is the only vessel through which his grace and mercy and power can flow freely. Depart from me, 
for I am a sinful man. What do you mean when you say these words to Christ? In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit.